good morning everybody good morning online thank you for uh, tuning in watching us this morning um, or on archives later on whenever you may be listening um, God's good uh, we just sang a song about how God is good and I just can't get off that uh, refrain uh, how he is good uh, just a couple of announcements this morning as we get uh, started with our message this morning we have everything's still on schedule we have our Sunday morning service here uh, we have an online we have it here live at 10.30, and then we uh, uh, join you at about, about this time between 11.10, 11.15, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, our worship is not uh, recorded live because of copyright laws. We can't do that because of, uh, we don't have a live worship team. But it is on, if you go to the live stream page on our website, lighthousesacleship.org, I always update uh, the weekly playlist is on there. So it's on there. Um, I already updated it this morning. Also, too, we have free Bible classes that are on, on our website at lighthousesacleship.org. And then uh, we also have uh, Bible study. We'll have a Bible study tonight. We'll do a live stream like we did the last two or three weeks. We've actually had a very great turnout the last few weeks uh, on uh, uh, Facebook Live for Sunday night. We've had over 60 viewers over the last three weeks. So we're going to continue doing that. While we're under this quarantine, and then we're going to be introducing a new Bible study online through Facebook and hopefully through Zoom. Uh, stay tuned with us as we kind of still get that uh, dialed out, dialed in. I don't know how I want to say that. Like, get all the bugs out. Uh, anytime we start something new, there's always some like those little bugs you gotta gotta kind of iron out and get rid of those uh, hiccups. And so anyway, uh, we're looking at doing that. That way, when we get back into to a normal uh, routine, like uh, with the quarantine lifted, uh, we want to continue doing something online because we'll have our regular Bible study here. And uh, um, so anyway, uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, we we're looking at starting that probably the first week of May, uh, another Bible study online as well. So anyway, no more advertisements. I think we're going to go forward. We're going to start a new Bible study this morning called The Spirit of Joy. And I'm excited about this. We should be joyful. Amen. And we can use some joy. I don't know about you, but we can use some joy. We talked the last few weeks about peace, and we talked before that about righteousness, and they go hand in hand. I didn't orchestrate that, but uh, I think the Holy Spirit did, and so I'm excited. So without further ado, go ahead and join, join me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3. That's where we're going to start this morning. Uh, um, let me just transition real quick to the iPad. Oh, you know what? I forgot to grab that. Sure, can you grab me the um, uh, Apple TV? Sorry. So, uh, go ahead and be turning your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3. So, uh, we're trying to hook up one device here so we have the ones on the screen. And then I'll need a cord that goes with that. So, uh, let me just say this as we're getting this uh, dialed in. There's a fundamental difference between the joy the world has and the joy that we have as Christians. Uh, the dictionary describes joy as an emotion caused by a sense of well-being. It describes joy, the dictionary describes joy as a great pleasure. It describes joy as something you want or desire. It also describes joy as a desire accomplished. And I'm never going to argue with anything that's going to be a positive emotion. We're all for positive emotions. Okay? 
But at the same point in time, I want to I want to teach joy from a biblical perspective, and where our joy as believers comes from. It's not. That's uh, good. Thank you. Uh, it's not contingent on. Uh, it's not based on our emotions. Uh, we're going to find out that the joy uh, comes from the Lord. Our joy is the fruit of His Spirit. We're going to get into it as well. Joy is in the presence of God. So if we're in the presence of God, we can experience joy. Uh, uh, we're going we're to dive into it a little bit now. I'm trying to get this done with so I can get my mind in gear here. Sorry for this little interruption, but we're going to be just fine. So we got that out of the way. So Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3. I love this verse. I didn't even recognize this verse was in Scripture until I saw it came across it in preparation for this series. But it says, Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I like that. I really like that. Uh, you know, we're, we study salvation a lot in this church, in this ministry. And the word salvation, Yeshua, here in the, in the Hebrew, but also soteria, or soteria in the, in, the, in the Greek. It means wholeness. It means healing. It means deliverance. It means prosperity or provision. It means uh, it, it, it's salvation. And the Lord is our salvation. That's what the, the word Yeshua is very close to the name of Jesus in Hebrew, Yeshua. The Lord is our salvation. <clears throat> but in those of us who are saved, we have salvation. Our, we've, those of us we've studied spirit, soul, and body, <clears throat> our spirit is 100% born again. Amen? We're, we're being renewed by the, we're, we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And our, our bodies are experiencing the, the benefits of salvation with healing and wholeness. Not just physically, but also emotionally at times. I find that most, almost every illness is associated with emotion as well. We talked about this a little bit last week when we were talking about peace. Paul, uh, John prays in John chapter three, uh, 3 John, verse 2, he prays that we would be uh, in good health as our soul prospers. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of chopping that up a little bit in, in reverse order. But John, John prayed, uh, John's desire was that our soul would prosper as well as our health would prosper, as well as our even our financial prosperity would prosper. But that we would prosper. And I find out, you know, stress and worry are very strong. Almost every illness comes from stress, worry, or, or some type of, uh, or, or maybe it might not originate from there, but it doesn't help it. We, we, you know, a lot of times I realize that when we minister to people, praying for people, we can pray for a miracle for their healing, or for healing and whatever they're dealing with. But we don't deal with the, the, uh, the emotion, the stress, the worry. A lot of times that illness is going to come right on back, or it may come back in a different form or a different illness. Uh, we need to be whole in our spirit, soul, and our body. And if it's a, and this verse says, therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. We can draw from the salvation we have in our spirit with joy. Joy is an instrument by which we can draw that salvation out that's already in our spirit into our soul, and in, which is our soul is our mind, will, and emotions, and then also into our body. I love being around joyful people. I want, I, I, 
you know, but I also, I don't like being around negative people. It just has a, I don't, I don't want their negativity to be contagious to me. Uh, but I love being around joyful people, but we can draw, I don't even know how I'm going to not sidetrack with that even thought, but I, I even though that's true. But we can draw from the wells of salvation with joy. And, you know, joy is not based on what we're experiencing in the natural. It's not based on the natural circumstances, the problems that we're facing, or even our emotions. But we can, we're going to study this morning how joy comes from within. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And we, it's also joyous experience in the presence of God. You know, when we... The, I have notes in my notes, I don't want to overlook this. If we are believing God, there will be joy. If we're trusting God, we're going to stay that next week, if I, depending on how far I get this morning, but we're going to talk about how joy is an attitude of faith. There's an attitude with joy, and it's the attitude of faith, and we're going, to, we're going to look at that. But if we are believing God, if we're trusting and relying, dependent on God, there will be joy. Go with me real quick, and we'll study this a little bit later as we go further in our study. But go to me with me to First Peter chapter one. First Peter one, verse eight. Whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. We're going to study this a little bit more intently as we go forward. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it right here. I'm just trying to get, uh, introducing this message a little bit. But one of the points I want to bring out right now, there should be an inexpressible joy coming from the people of God. Because the Lord is our salvation. Because of the salvation and the life that we have and the relationship that we have with Him. The goodness that we just sang about this morning in our worship. There should be, when we believe God, when we see God, when we experience God, when we begin to draw from the wells of salvation, there should be an expressible joy. We've been, uh, we've been saying a lot lately, also from Ephesians chapter 1, that when we have the, 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 the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him, there should be a joy. When you see Jesus, when you have a, a revelation of Jesus and His salvation, when you have a relationship of God, and a, lot, a lot of what we're going to talk about when we get into this, that joy comes from a relationship with God. Joy comes from having a relationship with God. Same as all the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, but we're talking about joy. And uh, when we see Jesus, when we, I, I don't know about you, but when I see how God has forgiven me, how God has saved me. How God has taken me from the pit and put me on the rock. When God has set me free, there should be an inexpressible joy that comes from the people of God. This is, there's a joy that, that not only does it come from God, not only does it fruit of the Spirit, not only comes from the presence of God, we're going to study that, but there should be an inexpressible joy from the people of God because we are saved. We have an eternal hope. We have hope. We don't have to be controlled and dominated by the, the circumstances, by the cares of this world, by negative emotion. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And we can draw from the wells of salvation with joy. 
and uh, uh, hopefully we'll draw this out as we go go further. Hopefully I'm making sense of this. I'm just barely getting into some of this. Let's go to, with me real quick here. The, the John, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 14. Again, I'm just giving some introductory verses as we get started this morning. Here in John, chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. He's speaking to his disciples very intimately. He's speaking a lot about the Holy Spirit. And he makes a statement here in chapter 14, verse 4. I'm sorry, I, I messed it up. Everything I just said was true, but that's not where we're at. We're not in John 14, we're in John 4. John 4, 14 says, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. I want to read that again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will be become in him a fountain of water springing into everlasting life. There is a fountain, there is a well that God has birthed in us through salvation, through the nerve birth. And from the, there is a well, there, there is a well that the water that he's given us, the well that he's given us, the life that he's given us, and the knowledge of him, there's a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And in that fountain, we can draw from that fountain with joy. We can draw from that with, 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 the, with the, we're going to see it even closer, with the fruits of the Spirit. In other words, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to paint here in the introduction is joy is something we have all the time. If we're born again, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna explain this a little more as we go and get to some other scriptures here in just a minute. But joy is not of the world, it's not of our emotions, it's from within. And we have it all the time as born-again believers. And we can draw from this joy. We can and we with this joy we can draw from the wells of salvation uh, all the times. We can live in joy, even when everything is going wrong. In the outward realm. We, can, we must understand that Jesus is living on the inside of us. His spirit, his presence is living on the inside of us. And we can experience joy. We can experience peace. We can experience love, gentleness, goodness all the time. Because joy does not come from our outward experience. Joy does not come from our natural emotions. Joy comes from the Lord. And the Lord is on the inside of us. And we can experience him all the time. One more scripture, and then I want to get into the heart of some of the heart of my message this morning. Proverbs thirteen twelve. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, "Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life." Now, I've, used, I've heard you know we've ministered to a lot of people through the years, and a lot of people use this verse as a crutch to explain why they're. Their, their heart is sick because hope has been deferred. And how, many, how many of us have had something we've hoped for or prayed for not come to pass? And I believe that and I'm going to use, teach another message. Uh, I think it's going to be a shorter message, but uh, after this one, called the Holy Dissatisfaction. And we should be, there should be a dissatisfaction when our prayers are not not answered, when we're not seeing breakthrough, when we're not seeing the sick get well, when we're not seeing the salvation that we're talking about being manifest in our lives, there should be a holy dissatisfaction. And when hope is deferred, the heart is sick, can be sick. But at the same point in time, our hope is not in a natural world. Our hope is in God. 
Our hope isn't in Christ. Our hope is in His Word. Our hope is in His promises. All the promises of God are yet in a man to the glory of God by us. But the verse doesn't just stop there. Hope deferred makes our heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. We can experience a tree of life. We can experience, because our hope is not in, in, in the natural. Our hope is not even in ourselves. Our hope is not even, in one sense, the fact that we're praying. Our hope is in the God that we're praying to. Our hope is in the Word of God. Our hope is in God. And, and when, when we become born again, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us, and Jesus living on the inside of us has given us hope. Jesus, hope is the expectation of good. If you, if you, if you, if you study the word hope out, it is a positive expectation of good. And Jesus is our hope. His word is our hope. And when our joy, our joy doesn't come because our answer to come or hasn't come. Our joy is in God. Our joy is in Him. And I believe with the joy of the Lord, we can draw out from the wells of salvation so we can draw it out with this whole... I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm chopping my words up here. I hope I'm making sense. I'm trying to get get my heart out and what I believe God's put on my heart to speak this morning and speak in this message. But joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's from the presence of God. We're going to get into that. But I want to speak to some, some of us have a sick heart in the sense because our, our, our prayers have not been answered. Hope has been deferred. And my, my prayer in this message is that we can experience joy, not just as an emotion, but we can experience joy as strength, as a vessel to draw out from the wealth of salvation so that we can see our hope manifested. We can see our prayer manifested. We can see salvation manifested, healing, wholeness, whatever we need. We can see it manifested and the joy, the, the, the strength of that, the, the vessel that we draw from the wealth of salvation is joy. But we need to know how to walk in joy. We need to know how to experience joy so we can draw out this salvation so that we can experience the tree of life and not a sick heart. Am I making sense? And uh, hopefully as we get forward, we'll, we'll, we'll draw this out a little bit more. That would be the Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against us there is no law. We're going to draw this out as we go forward. This is going to be one main scripture that we're going to keep referring back to. Not so much, we're not going to be looking at all the attributes, but we'll notice that there's one fruit. It's not nine fruits. It's one fruit. And of this one fruit, one of the attributes that we're going to be focused on is joy. Sometimes when I, I, I think of, when I speak of the fruits of the Spirit, I think of a prison. In a prison, there's many different angles of that jewel, that prison. But it's a beautiful jewel. It's a beautiful. And we're going to be looking at one aspect of this prison this morning, or in this series, joy. And the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of Him. It's not the fruit of our emotions. It's not the fruit of our willpower. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. 
You know, when one of the attributes, even just of love, you'll be able to look at that for a moment. One of the attributes of love is when we have love and when we experience the love of God, and one of the attributes of the love of God in a relationship with God is joy. When you're walking in a good, loving relationship with God, there's joy. When I met my wife, when we began to have a relationship, when we began to date, we began to court, we got engaged, one of the attributes of that relationship was love. And out of that love came joy. We were very joyful. We, have, we both had the love book. <laughs> you know, we couldn't see anything else but love. But it was a joy that came from that love. And when we are in love with God, when we experience His love, one of the attributes that come out of this love is joy. And when I, one of the things when I know that my joy, I'm not experiencing joy, I know I should be experiencing joy, maybe my heart's sick because my hope has been deferred, my prayer has been deferred, whatever the case might be, I need to get back into the presence of God and experience His love again so that I can also experience His joy, and the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And that making sense. How, how, you know, we yes, joy is a, is a vessel we can draw from the, the wells of salvation, but how do we get this joy? And we're going to dive into this uh, a little further, but joy is from the fruit of the Spirit. Well, I need, to get, I need to get plugged into God. I need to get plugged into His love. I need to get plugged into His Spirit so I can experience joy. Um, go with me another scripture real quick here. Psalm 144. And we'll pick it up verse 15. It says, Happy are the people who are in such a state Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. We as Christians, we as the people of God, should be some of the most happiest, joyful people on the planet. Because our, our happiness is in God. God is our Lord. And happy is the people whose God is the Lord. My heart breaks for those who don't know the Lord. My heart breaks for those who don't know how to draw from God for strength and for hope. And for, for healing, for salvation. Uh, my heart breaks. We have an answer. We have God. And we should ha be some of the most happiest people on the planet. Not just because of the circumstances and the situation, but because God is our God. And He is a good God. He is, as we studied last week, He is a good, good Father. We have an awesome, awesome God. And we have a good, good God. And Jesus is on the inside of us. And our hope is in God. Our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is not in our government. Our hope is not even in our spouse and our friends and our families. Our hope is in God. He is our, and He is on the inside of us. We have a great salvation, and we have the most, we can, there should be an inexpressible joy and happiness that comes from the people. And I want, to start, I want to get into some of this, and we're getting there, we're, getting, we're, all, we're very close to where I, the heart of my message for this morning. It'll be one more time from last, the last few weeks, from Romans chapter four, 14, Romans 14, verse 17. I'm almost done with my introduction, that's what I was trying to say, I don't know if I made that very clear. 
But Romans 14, 17 says, and we spoke about this a lot, a lot over the last few weeks, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We, when we became born again, we became right with God. For he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteous of God in him. He is our Prince of Peace. It says in Isaiah 26, verse 3, that he will keep in perfect peace. Neither does mind to stand upon him because, because he trusts in him. We have peace with God. We, have, uh, we are right with God. Uh, but we also have joy. Peace and joy are both attributes of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We talked about peace the last few weeks. But today, starting today, we're going to start talking about joy. When we have the Spirit of God, or the Spirit of Christ on the inside of us, inside of us, the Spirit of Christ who is on the inside of us is joy. We have the kingdom of God on the inside of us. So the kingdom of God that's on the inside of us is righteous peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, I'm trying to paint a picture here just in the introduction of this series, is that we have the nature of God. We have the kingdom of God. We have the presence of God. We have Jesus himself living on the inside of us. And therefore, in Christ, we have his life, we have his love, we have his righteousness, we have his peace, and we have his joy. His nature is on the inside of us. His spirit is on the inside of us. His kingdom is on the inside of us. And we, in other words, we're not trying to get joy. We have it. We have it. We have his nature. We have his presence. We have his spirit on the inside of us. <clears throat> and if we don't, we don't lack the joy as believers, we have the joy of the Lord. Maybe we're not experiencing it because there could be several reasons. One, we don't have a knowledge of that. We don't have a revelation that Jesus is on the inside of us. Or we don't have a revelation that his, his peace, his joy, the full, all the fruit, all the attributes of the one fruit of the Holy Spirit is already on the inside of us. But we need to have a revelation of that so we know how to draw that out. And from that, from drawing that out, we can use that joy to draw from the wells of salvation. Am I making sense? I felt like I'm a little choppy already this morning, but hopefully I'll, I'll get better as we go forward. Um, go ahead and go with me to John 15. Now I'm going to get into... Kind of, kind of hard I want to get into this morning. John 15. And I said earlier, where Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and I applied that to the Lost Scripture. This is where I was meant to apply that to. Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross in John 13, 14, 15, and 16. He spent some intimate time with his disciples. He says some very powerful things about the Holy Spirit. But then he says some awesome words, and I'm going to read actually quite a bit of context here this morning. Uh, Starting verse 4. And Jesus says this Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We already established the fact this morning that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc. We're talking about joy. Not going to be, uh, we can, I can apply the same message to other attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, but we're talking about joy. We're talking about the Spirit of joy. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And that's what we're, that's what we're, that's what we're making sense? And so, 
He says, you cannot bear fruit of itself. We cannot bear joy on its own. We can't do it in our own strength. It is the fruit of the Spirit. We can only bear the fruit of joy if we are abiding in Him, the vine. That making sense? You can apply this to all the other attributes of the fruit. You can apply this to peace, goodness, gentleness, self-control. But we're talking about joy. And the starting point of experiencing joy, experiencing the spirit of joy, is abiding in Him. That's where we start. We, if in the moment, because of circumstance, the situation, maybe our heart is sick because the hope has been deferred. How do we get the joy? We need to start by abiding in Him, getting in His presence, abiding in Him, because we can't bear fruit, the fruit of His Spirit, without abiding in Him. And, and by neither can you unless you abide in the Bible. We must abide in Him. The place where we start, and it seems like every teaching we teach on, it goes back to a relationship with God. It started with a relationship with God, and it, it continues. In the same way that you receive Christ Jesus, so walk ye in Him, being rooted, grounded. Something that's rooted and grounded, to me that's talking about something that's getting ready to bear fruit. We need to be rooted and grounded, abiding in Him, the vine, so we can bear fruit. What fruit? I believe that I can talk about fruit, meat for repentance. Uh, Jesus talked about that in Matthew. But also they talked about the fruit of the Spirit. We want the fruit of God, the fruit of the Spirit, flowing out of our lives. Amen? And I believe if, we, if we're talking about joy, and if joy is, is bearing fruit in our lives, we can use that joy to draw from the wells of salvation that we just read about in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3. Am I making sense? We'll, draw, we'll, we'll spend more time on Isaiah 12, 3 as we go forward. But right now, I'm just making one main point. We need a, it starts with abiding in Him. Verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I him bears much for without me, you can do nothing. This is kind of repetitive, but it drives home the point. The light is in the vine. It is also in the branches. Joy, joy is in God. God is joy. We're talking about joy. But he is in us. We have received his fullness, it says, in John chapter 1, verse 16. Of his fullness, we have received from grace to grace. We have his fullness. And the same life that is in the vine is in us. I can talk about many attributes of the life of God, but we're talking about joy. And the same joy that is in God, is in Christ, is in the Spirit of God, is in us. We just need to be connected. We just need to be abiding in Him as He is in us. As a believer, we have the nature of God on the inside of us. We just need to abide in Him. If you are in Jesus and He is in you, you should be bringing forth fruit. Not just fruit, but much fruit. <coughs> We're talking about joy, so there should be much joy coming from the people of God because we are abiding in Him. This is not meant to put anyone down or whatnot, but if there's not joy coming out of our hearts, I can talk about other attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, but we're talking about joy, then I have to ask, are we in the moment abiding in Him? Sometimes we're so focused on the circumstances, 
self sometimes we're so focused on, on our heart being sick that we need to get our heart back plugged into God. So that who is our hope? Who is our salvation? Who is our joy? So that we can draw from the wealth of salvation and see our prayer manifested. So that we can also walk in joy, not because he, he is our joy, but now we can also walk in joy because our prayer has been answered. And we have experienced the tree of life that we just read about from this. That makes sense? We can deal with that sick heart, but we need we start with a, we have to get back into his presence. We have to get back into a bite. We can't bear fruit on our own. We can't be joyful on our own. We can't see the prayer, our hope, uh, our prayer being answered on our own. We need to get back into the presence of God and get back plugged into the vine. And, that, and, and, and really, we should never have left there. We need to stay there. We need to camp out. We need to live there. He's our daily bread. And, and, and just because we were living there yesterday, we need to live there today. He's our daily bread. And just because I was living there at 9 o'clock this morning, I need to live here at 10, 11 o'clock. You know, we, we are, we, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. I almost want to say the word frickle, but we're just so, we're so, Fickle. we're so, uh, Fickle. thank you. <laughs> and that's a word that came, came to my mind. It just, you know, uh, but I'm trying to explain what I'm trying to say. We are, uh, you know, our emotions can go from here to here in an instant. We can be very moody, if I can even express it that way. You know, we will let sometimes circumstances dictate how we are going to feel, how we are going to express ourselves. We can sometimes, we're going to let our circumstances, our emotions dictate how we're, some of us, because our heart is, the, the hope is in the bird. We're in such a bad mood, and we're such upset, and there, there's something about that holy dissatisfaction we can use for the good, but sometimes we, we go to the negative, and we, we have our, and just like a toddler, we have to, we throw our spiritual fit. <laughs> you know? And like a toddler, sometimes when they're throwing a spiritual fit, you want them to go to their room. You know? Well, sometimes we need to go to our spiritual room, back into the presence of God, and get our heart back in alignment. That makes sense? If you find yourself throwing a spiritual fit, and we've all been there, we need to get back in His presence. We need to go back to our room, in a sense. That makes sense? Our prayer closet. Get back and abide in Him so that His fruit, His joy, His peace, His love, the fullness of God can flow in our life and through our life so we can start seeing the answer. We're not going to see it manifested if we're throwing a mini party. What toddlers are going to get what they want when they're going to pity party? You know? The worst thing you can do is feed into that, that temper tantrum. That's the worst thing you can do. You, you can't encourage that. We need to fly, abide in Him. And we've all gotten off mark. We've all have thrown a pity party. Even if we haven't done it hourly, we're doing it inwardly. We, and I can look at, it can be anger, it can also be depression. It can come out in a lot of different formats. The key is we need to we need to abide in Him. We need to have a relationship with Him. Okay. Let's go ahead and go to verse six. 
If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. I want to toggle real quick to the King James for this particular verse. Uh, New King James uses the word they, but I like this tra uh, translation for verse 6. I'm going to read it again. If a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch is withered, and men. Uh, the New King James uses the word they, but I like to specify men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. I, just, I, I don't want to make a big point here, but I do want to make a point. It says men will gather them. In other words, the point I'm trying to make, this is not talking about hell. Men have no authority to cast anyone into hell. That makes sense? I can't cast you into hell, you can't cast me into hell, we don't have any authority to do that. This is talking about men casting them into fire. So I believe this is also talking about our productivity, our influence, our effectiveness in the earth. If you don't stay connected to God, if you don't abide in Him, in Jesus, and allow His Spirit, His nature, the fruit of His Spirit to flow in your life continually, then man will just cast you out. Man, you won't have an effectiveness. You won't have a productivity in the earth. Now, I understand there's a difference between persecution and people not listening to you in that way versus you just not being connected to God and doing things in your own strength. You, you, uh, there's a difference. We've had people come against us. We've had people not listen to us. We either in a worldly or persecution, whatever the case may be. But any productivity we have had in our lives in our ministry is because we have been connected to Him. It's the fruit of Him working in us and through us. But when we're, there have been times I've done ministry in my own strength, in my own willpower, and it hasn't produced anything. But there have been times where I know that I know that I know I'm connected to God, and I'm spending time with Him, I'm doing what He's called me to do, and it's productive. And I'm making sense with that. I'm just, my main point though, I want to, I want to deal with, this is not talking about God casting people into, it doesn't say anything about God. It talks about men will gather them. And, uh, and so it's not talking about God sending people to hell because it doesn't say anything about that. Um, but I want my life. The, what's the purpose of the fruit of the Spirit? It's not just for me. It's so that I can be productive. It's so that the Spirit of God can use my life, work into my life, and be fruitful in other people's lives. I want people to be able to pick the fruit off my tree, so to speak, and it be God fruit. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, etc. That makes sense? I don't want them to be able to pick the tree off my fruit and it has, a, it has a bitter taste. It has a sour taste. It has a misrepresentation of who God is, His nature. And his, uh, I want them, I want it to be fruitful. I want, and we're talking about joy, that when people around us, we should be so joyful that when people pick up our fruit, they're joyful too. We're not the source. We're just the fruit. See, the fruit is not the source. When you have an apple tree, and we're getting ready to plant some fruit trees, we just planted some avocados and some other vegetation this week, yes. tomatoes and whatnot. The, the, the fruit itself is not the source. The fruit is the fruit, the byproduct of what the tree is. That makes sense? Joy. We're not the source of joy. We're not the source of peace and other attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. We're, God, His Spirit is the source. And when they partake of our fruit, so to speak, joy, 
They're not partaking of us, they're partaking of God. Because we're not the source of joy. But I want, I want, I, I want people to see fruit is fruit is attractive on the tree. Just like the flower to a rose. It's attractive. It's a it's a highlight. It's what draws people to, to that tree. It's a fruit. Jesus cursed the fig tree that didn't have fruit. I want there to be fruit in my life. I want my life to be fruitful and helping to spur one another on towards good deeds. I don't want it to be negative fruit. I don't want it to be a bad attitude, grumpy and complaining. Who wants to be around someone who's grumpy and complaining all the time? I don't like it. Bobbers sucks a lot about that. Those who are nagging and, and have a, a nagging spirit and whatnot. But, but the, the kingdom of God that's in us is, is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. My life should also have a have a fruit of righteousness. This should be the fruit of holiness coming down my life. Not so people can see my good works and glorify him. They should be glory and honor to him. Okay, let me move forward. Verse 7. Let me toggle back to the New King James. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words that work. Let me read it again. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. I love this verse. Six times in Romans, I mean in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus says, ask and it will be done. Six times in this, this whole uh, time that he's with his disciples here before he went to the cross. Six times Jesus says, if we ask, we shall receive. And in this case, in this specific verse, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. To me, that sounds like a blank check. And we just talked about hope being deferred makes our heart sick. What do you want? What do you want? Jesus saying, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you want and it's yours. We have a good, good Father. Church, we have a good, good Father. He wants to give us good gifts. Not because we're griping and complaining, but because we are plugged into the vine and we have the joy of the Lord and the joy of the Lord can help draw from the, 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 the well salvation that's in and we can ask what we want. I believe there's many things that God has, He's put that desire in us to begin with. It says in Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you desires of your heart. Some of the things that we've already been talking about this morning, who wants to be healed? Who wants to be whole? Who wants to, to, be, to be effective, prosperous, and have a good life? Not just so you're rich, but so you can give to those in need. And there's so many different aspects. What do you want? What are you praying God for? What are you trusting God for? What is your hope in? What is your prayer? Abide in Him, and you can ask what you want, and it's yours. We have a good, good God. Jesus didn't mention the six times in this passage, in this context, just to fill the page. This is the gospel. This is true. We have a God who says, if we, we have a daddy who says we can ask, and he will give it to us. His main thing is that we abide in him. We just want us to be connected with him, abide in him. He's not a genie where we rub the bottle and we get three wishes. He's not a genie. 
But he is an awesome, awesome, good, good father. And when I ask, he says he's able to do it measurably more than I ask or I think according to his power, his joy, his spirit that work is at work within me. Hopefully I'm making sense with some of this this morning. Let's go to verse 8. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. God is glorified when much fruit is coming out of our lives. We're talking about joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And we can talk, I can talk about all the fruit, attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, but God is glorified when we're bearing much fruit. And when we're bearing much fruit, because it just, this verse also is actually after, it follows this verse that says we ask whatever we, we desire and it shall be done for us. When we're walking in the fruit of the Spirit, when we're walking in relationship with God, there should be much fruit coming from the people of God. Not just the fruit of the Spirit, not just joy, but everything that we ask. We should be a blessed people. We should be the happiest people, first of all, because we're saved. Second of all, we can be blessed because we have an awesome, awesome God. Am I making sense this morning? But when God is glorified when we bear much, much fruit. And one of those fruits that we're focusing on is joy. There should be much joy coming from the house of God, from the people of God. God is glorified when we're joyful. God is magnified when we're joyful. When we're grumbling and complaining and we're not joyful about things, God's not glorified. When we're in a bad mood, when we have a negative attitude, God's not glorified. God is glorified when we're joyful. God is glorified when we're magnifying Him and not the problem. You know, so many, so many times I see Christians, and they mean well, but they're griping, complaining about the problem. More than they're, they're magnifying God. I understand the problems there, and I want to be sensitive, and I want to be empathetic and sympathetic to, towards those who have needs. But I don't want to magnify the problem. I want to magnify Jesus. I want to magnify Him. And the source is abiding in Him. Ask what you will, and it'll be done. The source is abiding in Him, and you'll receive much fruit, love, joy, peace, goodness. When you, I mean, just focus on love for a moment. When you know that God loves you, he who did not spare his son, how will he not also give you all things? There's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's goodness, there's kindness. It's the fruit of the Spirit. We're not just to live like that. We live like that because he lives like that. It's the fruit of his Spirit. And we have the fullness of God in us who is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. But we're talking about joy and we should be so full of joy. Because His Spirit is in us, and His Spirit is joy. And we're abiding in Him. If we abide in Him, if a branch is abiding in an apple tree, oranges don't come out. Pears don't come out. Bananas don't come out. If a branch is abiding in an apple tree, what comes out? Apples. If we're abiding in God, then negative negativity is not coming out. A murmuring and complaining spirit is not coming out. We are joyful because God is in us. We're abiding in Him, and we're bearing much fruit of who He is. His fruit, His nature is flowing through the branches, through the vine. The same, the same 
nature that is in the is in the in the in the vine is in the branches. It's not a different fruit. That makes sense. And so we should be bearing much fruit. And God is glorified when we're abiding in Him, bearing much fruit. God is magnified. Go down to verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that's what Jesus is saying, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. I know there's many attributes about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. I've been talking about it all morning. But he says this in context of Luke, I mean John 15 here. Jesus makes this statement to his disciples before he's going to the cross. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. We, we talked about the last few weeks about peace, how God has bequeathed his peace to us. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but as I give to you. Here he says, I wrote these things. The things that we just read, verses 4 through 8 that we read, and even in, in, in the surrounding context. Jesus said, I have spoken these things to you that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus, just take it into a natural context for a moment. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. These disciples have been following him for three and a half years. Or so. Their master, their hero. They have they don't understand all the scriptures yet. They don't understand the cross yet. But their their whole world is about ready to be turned upside down for a few days until he's resurrected and the day of Pentecost and, and they and they become they begin to operate as apostles. But he says, I wrote these things to you so that my joy may remain in you. He wanted them to be joyful, even though he was momentarily going to be. He was, he's a son of God, but he's a son of, he's, act, he's operating as a son of man here. He's about ready to go to the cross. But they're not going to, they don't understand everything about the cross yet. That makes sense? But he says, and I, one thing I get out is, our joy does not depend on our circumstances. Our joy is because he is in us. And I don't understand we're on the other side of the cross. We understand. Some of us understand these things a little bit more than these disciples did at this, on, 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 this, on the other side of the cross. But the point I want to make right here is that our joy is not dependent on our circumstances. They're dependent on Him. That makes sense. He is in us. He says, I write the thing that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. We can be full of joy. Because Jesus is in us. We can be joyful because the Spirit of God is in us. And the Spirit of God is, is joy. Does that make sense? We, we don't have to be partly joy. We don't have to have just 25% of joy. We don't have to have just a little drip of joy. We can have the fullness of joy because Jesus, His Spirit, is in us. That's awesome. I mean, the, the disciples were going about to enter into the darkest hour they've ever experienced for a few days. 
as he's going to go to the cross before he gets resurrected. Because they don't, in the natural, they don't understand everything yet. They don't have a, they don't have a full revelation of it yet. They had an awesome relationship with Jesus. But my point is that we can experience the fullness of joy because Jesus is in us. But at the same point in time, Jesus wrote everything we just talked about in John chapter 15. He wrote, he spoke all these things so that we, his joy can be in us and we can experience the fullness of his joy. So it behooves us to, to read everything we just read with this attitude in mind, with this mindset in mind, that he wrote this thing about abiding in him and his word abiding in us so that we can experience the fullness of his joy. The key... I started the main point of this message was the key is to abide in Him. And that's where it starts. By abiding in Him. Am I making sense with that? Okay. Let's go to Romans 15. Verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all, what? Joy. And peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this because this ties into several different things that we've already talked about this morning. It says, he says, I pray that God of hope, the God of hope. We already talked about hope this morning. May fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Believing who? Him. He's, he's our hope. He's the hope of our salvation. That you may abound in hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Our hope does not have to be deferred. We can abound in hope. Because God wants to fill us with all hope and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. We, we can be full of joy. We can be full of peace. With this coronavirus, with everything else going on in the earth. As we go into the last days. As things begin to happen <coughs> in the earth and in our world. We can be full of hope. We can be full of joy. We can be full of peace. Because the Holy Spirit is in us. We have the Holy Spirit. Our hope, our joy, our peace is not dependent on the things that are going to come in the earth. Or the circumstances. Our hope is in God. Our joy is in God. Our peace is in God. And our salvation is in God. No matter what the world is going through, we can receive healing. We can receive wholeness. We can receive deliverance. We can receive wisdom. We can receive provision. Whatever we need, we have an awesome God of hope. It's a true hope. It's a living hope. And because of that, we can have joy. We can have peace. <coughs> I, I don't feel like I'm expressing everything I want to express this morning, but as we believe Him... His hope, His joy, His peace can abound in our hearts. You know, while the world is, Jesus said, many hearts will fail, wax cold because of things coming down the earth. But our hearts don't have to wax cold. Our hearts can abound with hope and love and joy and peace because we have the fullness of Him, because we're abiding in Him. If we're abiding in Him, if our house is built on the rock, and we're abiding in Him, no matter where, what we're going through, we're still going to be hopeful. We're still going to be joyful. We're still going to be loving and peaceful. Why? Because He's our source. And the fruit of abiding in Him is not the fruit of this world. It's not the, it's not the bread of sorrows. 
God's our hope. Does that make sense? We can bear much fruit. Let's get some examples here. Let's go to Acts chapter 13. We'll pick it up in verse 80, uh, 48. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read all this context. But the disciples are preaching the gospel, specifically here, Paul and Barnabas. But as they're preaching, they're also being persecuted. And Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, says this. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as has been appointed to eternal life, believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews, so there was people receiving them, but there was also people not receiving them. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. But they shook off, they, Paul and Barnabas, shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium, and this is what I want to get to, verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. This is just one example. I can give you other examples. We're going to look at another one here in just a minute. But even though they were, in, in the context, they were, uh, you know, they were being persecuted. In some contexts, they were flawed. In some contexts, they were put in prison. We're going to look at one of those in Paul in just a moment. But some of us, you know, yes, there were some people who believed. Going back to verse 48, some of them were, were joyful and believed. But then there was the Jews. There were these people who stirred up trouble, stirred up persecution. And they got expelled from the region. Now, some of us, even if one person doesn't like us, we are a crime. It will ruin our day. It can ruin our week. Some of us get so shipwrecked because someone doesn't like us that we, our, our whole destiny, our whole purpose gets shipwrecked because we are so hurt and so devastated by someone not liking us. Even though they have some people not, not liking them here and not receiving their message, disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Our joy doesn't come from the circumstances. Our joy doesn't come because other people like us or don't like us. Our joy comes from the Lord. Our joy doesn't always come because other people receive us. And we're making sense. Because, you know, in these last days, there's going to be a, I believe there's going to be a greater separation between the, the sheep and the goats, but those who are hot and cold and those who are lukewarm. And in a sense, we're, in a sense that, you know, how am I making sense what I'm trying to say? You know, there's, there's almost no status quo. There's almost no uh, middle ground. We're either serving the Lord because we're abiding in Him, or we're not abiding in Him. And the, the, day, the perse I believe persecution is arising in many ways across the world. Even in our country, it's starting to rise a little bit more. And those who are just walking the fence, those who are not abiding in God, are going to be easily fall away if they're not, in a sense... Uh, that they're not walking with God. Am I making sense? Uh, my, my point is, I'm not so much trying to talk about the persecution, is that no matter what comes, no matter what happens to us, 
even in the circumstances that we're facing now, our, we need to be abiding in God so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy. There's other attributes that we need to be filled with too. Don't get me wrong. But we're talking about joy. And I want to respond like Paul and Barnabas if persecution should arise in this country. But even the things that we're going through. I don't need, I need to have a sick heart because my hope has been deferred. My hope is in God. And with the joy of the Lord, I can draw out from the wells of salvation. Because I'm abiding Him. Am I making sense? I'm hope, hopefully I am. Go with me to Psalm 16, verse 11. Psalm 16, verse 11. Now, I've talked a lot about so far this morning that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Now, I want to make a point in closing that joy comes from the presence of God, which I've kind of, kind of already talked into. But Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, And you will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. He says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is the fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's a lot here I wish I had time to expand on all of this. But I mean, you know, let me just deal with the first part first. I'm really going to go here, but God can show us the path of life. God can show us what direction to go. There's a verse in Isaiah that says, you will hear a voice behind you just as the way walk ye in it. We can know what direction to go. Sometimes we're in the fork of the road. We don't know which direction to go. But we can know the path of life. We can, he can show us the path of life. But what I, what I, I want to really focus on it is in your presence is the fullness of joy. Not only is joy the fruit of the Spirit, but in God's presence we should be happy. We should be joyful. One of the signs that we're not spending time with God is we're not joyful. So I, I have this in my notes. If you're really spending time in the presence of God, you should be happy. Because in his presence is the fullness of joy. You can't leave the presence of God and not be joyful. You can't be in his presence every day and throughout the day and not be joyful. And I'm not saying that to condemn us. I'm not saying that to put us down. I'm saying that to encourage us that if we're finding ourselves in a, with a negative, anything but joy, we need to get back into God's presence. We need to abide in him. <coughs> and, if we, and I believe it's in his presence that we're going to also know the path of life. Jesus didn't do anything unless he spent time with the Father. Jesus knew what to do every day. And sometimes he wasn't received well, but he knew where to go. And in his right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want to experience the fullness of God's presence. And I, I wrote this in my notes. And hopefully I'm, I'm, I'll make sense of this. But true joy... And hear me out on this. True joy doesn't necessarily come from our spouse, our family, our kids, our parents, our pastors, our friends. Yes, our family is a joy of our life. We love our kids. We love our families. We love our spouse. We love one another. But the source of joy is God. He's our number one source. Yes, we have joy in one another. We have uh, joy in our kids. We have joy in our family. But he's our number one source of joy. People will disappoint us, even our loved ones, even our families. But our source of joy has to come from God. You know, a lot of people say that marriage is the first relationship God created. 
Actually, I believe it's the second. The first relationship God created was a relationship between God and man. God created a relationship with man, and then he created a relationship with man and woman, with the husband and wife. If this relationship is going to work, marriage, I'm pointing to my wife, then this relationship has to work. My joy has to come from her, him. She's a joy in my life, too, naturally speaking. But it has to come from him. The source has to come from him. That makes sense. There are going to be times, even as much as we love each other, we're going to fail one another. We're going to disappoint one another. We're going to do wrong. We don't want that. I'm not speaking that into our lives, our marriage, but how many know we all, we have. But at the same point in time, the source of my joy, the source of my dependence is God. I follow her as she follows Christ in my first time. Am I making sense? My point is, yes, our family is the joy of our life. Our friends, our, our families are the joy of our life. But he is the source. And we get that out of balance, everything else will be, be out of balance. That makes sense? This has to be first. And, uh, and so... Um, only in his presence is there fullness of joy. In other words, I'm trying to paint a picture too. Joy is not, only, is not conditioned by my circumstances. My joy is conditioned by my relationship with God. In the sense that he's unconditional, but I need to abide in him. He needs to be my source. Joy is in the presence of God. And I'm finding myself not in joy and other attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, I need to get back into God's presence. It's the Spirit of joy. Joy is in His presence. And I need to spend time with God. I, and what I'm also highlighting here is a relationship with God. Our relationship with God is the most important thing. More than my marriage, more than my kids, more than ministry, is my relationship with God. If I don't have a relationship with God, there is no ministry. And it will, my marriage will suffer, my, 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 everything else will suffer. I'm trying to focus, uh, I'm putting the emphasis on a relationship with God, and everything else flows through that. I believe that I can be the best husband in the world if I have a good relationship with God. That makes sense. Our, same thing goes for parents, same thing goes for employers, employees. I can be the best at anything if I have a relationship with God, I can also have the best attitude if I have a relationship with God. Uh, in Acts, I'm not going to turn there, but in Acts chapter 2, verse 28 at Pentecost, Peter quotes this verse. He quotes Psalm 16, 11. And I just want to paraphrase, I believe in many ways, as Peter was preaching, he was telling the church as it was born, you ought to be happy. You ought to be joyful because Jesus is alive. He has risen from the dead. I, again, I'm, my, one of my points I'm trying to make this morning is that we should be the one, some of the most happiest people on the earth because Jesus has died for our sins. He rose again. He filled us with his presence. He filled us with his spirit. And we should be happy. As born-again believers, we have the spirit of God. We have the nature of God. We have the presence of and we should be some of the most happiest, joyful people on the planet. We're talking about joy. I can talk about other attributes of the Holy Spirit. But I want to bring the joy into my marriage. I want to bring that joy into my ministry. I want to bring that joy as parents into your, your family. It's 
we have to have our we have to abide in him so the fruit of his spirit which we're talking about joy same thing with love peace goodness kindness self-control all these other attributes of the spirit they come from a relationship with god when we're talking about joy you know we should be joyful because jesus our resurrected king has taken up residence on the inside of us he has filled us with himself and when we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, there should be an, an, an inexpressible joy proceeding from the people of God, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what we're going through. And I think I've got to close with this this morning. I want to close with three cheers. Three cheers, C-H-E-E-R-S, that Jesus gave. And I'm going to close with these three things as we close out this morning. Three cheers. The first one is in Matthew 9 2. Matthew 9 2. And Jesus said, Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, here it is, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. There's three cheers that the Jesus gave. And the first one I want to focus on is this one in verse 2, uh, Matthew 9, 2. Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Here's my first point, this first cheer, is that we should be so full of joy and cheer because our sins are forgiven. There is no greater message than knowing that our sins are forgiven. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I believe the greatest miracle of all time is knowing that Jesus became our sin. He crucified our sin so that we can become the righteous God in him. We should be cheerful. We should be joyful because knowing that our sins are forgiven. That should bring joy to the people of God. Okay. The second cheer I want to focus on is in Mark chapter 6. Mark 6, verse 50. It says, When they saw him and were troubled, but immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. The first cheer was, Be of good cheer because your sins are forgiven. The second cheer is, it is I, do not be afraid. <coughs> Jesus said that he will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus is always with us. We, we, we talked about much this morning about abiding in him and he abiding in us. He has filled us with his fullness. But even if we're going through a storm, maybe some of you are watching, some of you listening are going through a storm. And maybe it's the storm of your life. Maybe it's the worst thing you've ever gone through. I want you to hear these words of Jesus. Be of good cheer. Do not be afraid. It is I. Jesus is with you. Jesus loves you. Jesus is your answer. Jesus can calm the storm. Jesus can turn this around. Be of good cheer. Knowing your sins are forgiven. Be of good cheer because it is Him. And He is with you. There's not a place you can go. There's not a place you can go on this earth. 
You can't, you can't, you, you, uh, I think it's Psalmist said, if I go to heaven, you are there. If I go to hell, you are there. There's nowhere where you go. Jesus is there. And there's, there's, there's no place you can go. Jesus is with you. Here in this situation, the, uh, was, uh, the, the disciples were on a boat. There was a storm. And he came to them, be of good cheer, as is I. If you read the context, he also, he's, even the next verse, he said, he went into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazing themselves beyond measure and marveled. You know, even if you're, again, if you're in the storm, Jesus can calm the storm. He can calm the waves. Jesus is there. The source of your peace, the source of your joy, is not in the storm. It's not in you worrying about the storm. It's not you fretting over the storm. It's in getting your focus on Jesus. Be not afraid in the water. The third chair I want to go to is actually in John chapter 16. John 16. And I don't know why I have it highlighted here, but God focus on that. <clears throat> These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. Jesus says here and in other parts, that in this world we will have tribulation. But he says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I don't want to spend a lot of time in this as we're kind of wrapping it up this morning. But Jesus said that we will have in this world we will have tribulation. Some of the, you know, sometimes people ask, why am I going through what I'm going through? Is it because I did it? Sometimes, how I many you know sometimes. What we go through is not because we did something wrong. Sometimes that can be the case. But I, I, I don't have time to deal with it all this morning, but sometimes people will blame God for everything they're going through. God is not the one, is not the author of our tribulation. But he did promise in this world we will have tribulation. Why is that the case? Why is there trouble in this world? Well, first of all, sin. Sin has messed this planet up. Sin has messed the world up. Satan has also messed the world up. Sin and Satan. And in this world, while Satan is still alive, while Satan is still around, and sin is still in the world, there will be tribulation. But Jesus said, be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. To piggyback on this, go with me to 1 John 5, verse 14. And John said, Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That we have. Actually, that wasn't what I wanted. Sorry. 1 John 5, 4. Not 14. But I read was good, but it's not what I wanted. <clears throat> For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We're going to spend a little more time on that next week. <clears throat> It's our faith that overcomes the world. We're going to talk next, starting next week. Hopefully I get there. I have a little bit more of this message. I didn't quite finish yet. Um, I, I, will, I will deal with it next week. But we're going to talk about next, starting next week about how joy is the attitude of faith. 
A lot of what I talked about this morning is very introduction to what I want to get into. I don't think there's going to be a long series. But my main point I'm trying to get across this morning, two main points, is that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. As we abide in Him, His fruit will abide in us and will abound in us. That makes sense. The key is we need to abide in Him. The second thing that goes with that is that in His presence is fullness of joy, which kind of goes back in the same thing, abiding in Him. But the, the source of joy is it's a fruit of His Spirit. So we need to abide in Him to receive that joy. And we'll tap into this a little bit more as we go forward, but we can use that joy to draw from the wells of salvation. His joy will be our strength. I, I haven't totally gotten into that. I didn't get a chance to go to Nehemiah. We're going to spend some time in Nehemiah next week and and uh, 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 one more example of Paul's, and with Paul and Silas, with joy. But <clears throat> my point is, <clears throat> the, um, we need to abide in Him. We need to put our focus on Him. And if we do, we can remember these three, three cheers of Jesus. First of all, we can be of good cheer because our sins are forgiven. We can be of good cheer because He is always with us. As we're abiding in Him and He's abiding in us. And we can also be a good cheer because He has overcome the world. Yes, there's tribulation in this world. We were, we're not promising that we'll always be a bed of roses. But our joy is not dependent on our circumstance. Our joy is not dependent on our situation. Our joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Our joy comes from the presence of God. And we can be in our worst storm of our life and yet be in joy because joy comes from the fruit of the Spirit. Joy comes from His presence. And joy comes from Him. But we can use that joy and we can use His presence to change our circumstance. We're not, oh, we're not dependent on our circumstance. We are not subject to our circumstance. We are, he is our Lord. He is our master. And we allow his nature, his joy, his nature, his presence to reign in our hearts. We can use him, God, the God who's in us, to calm the storm, to calm the winds, to change our circumstance. We can draw from the wells of salvation as we are abiding in him, abiding in his presence, and being a good cheer because he has overcome the world. Is that making sense? I hope we will dive into this a little, a little more deeper as we go forward because we'll, when we talk about an attitude of faith, joy is an attitude of faith. So we need to get an attitude. Not, not an attitude that's negative, not an attitude that's arrogant, but we need to use some of this holy dissatisfaction that I've kind of been referring to as an attitude of joy that we're going to see some changes. That we're going to see, you know, when David came on the scene of Goliath, I don't see him having a pity party. I don't see David mumbling and murmuring and complaining about Goliath. There was something that read, began to, he was dissatisfied that this Goliath was defying the armies of the living God. And he used that dissatisfaction to do something about it. But I see David as joyful. I see him being confident. I see him having an attitude of faith that was joyful. 
Yes, it, just because he was dissatisfied and displeased with Goliath. He wasn't wallowing in fear like the, 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 uh, Saul and his armies were. He was like, who's this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? We can use this joy. We can use this joy as an attitude not to wallow in a, with a sick heart because our hope has been deferred. We can use this joy as an attitude to see our hope manifested and, and, and partake of the tree of life. Am I making sense? I wish I had more time to go deeper into this. I'm kind of setting the stage. The two main takeaways, I want to repeat those again, is we need to abide in Him. Abide in Him because the fruit is from the Spirit. It's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit, joy. And we can, by abiding him in his presence, and his presence is fullness of joy. And we can use that joy to draw from the wells of salvation. The wells of salvation are deep. They're fresh. They're flowing. And we can draw with them from joy. You know, it's, it's hard to have an attitude of faith when you have a negative attitude. It's easier to draw with a, an attitude of faith when you have a joyful, expectant attitude. That's how I see David. I don't see David with Goliath with a negative attitude. I see him with a joyful attitude. We're going we're gonna to deal with this Philistine. And we are going to walk in victory. We're going to see victory. Amen. We're not going to be controlled by the circumstances. We're not controlled by the things in this earth. The, the tribulation that's in this earth. The tribulation that might even be in our lives right now. Uh, we don't have to be controlled by it. No, we're going to draw from the wells of salvation. We're going to control it. We're going to change it around. But we're going to, how do we get that? We get that by abiding in Him. We get that by being in His presence. We get that because it's a fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy. We already have it. we got to learn how to draw it out. And we need to have, we need to get an attitude of joy. We need to have an attitude of peace. We need all the other attributes of the fruit of the Spirit too. But we're talking about joy. And it's time, the, the people of God should be happy. Because we have an awesome God. Amen? Lord, we worship you. We give you thanks. We give you glory. We give you praise. Lord, I, I, I hope I was able to communicate at least my main points this morning. But Lord, I help us to be a people of joy. There's so much negativity. There's so much anti-joy going on in our world. Lord, help us to be a different people. Be a people of joy. May the spirit of joy resonate from our hearts. Because if we're plugged into you, we got more joy where this joy comes from. We, the well will never run dry. The well will never run empty. Teach us afresh that the key to everything is having a relationship with you. And we worship you, we magnify you. Bless us as we go. And we name and give you thanks. Amen. Alright, we'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll be right here on Facebook Live tonight at 6. We'll see you tonight. God bless.